0: experienced these blackout stretches of
1: time you can't account for.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to Parker and Mason Talk with Their Facens. Huh? That's pretty good. Is that the one we're doing? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'm sorry. That was it. Go ahead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your Captain Speaking Jose Valle Jr., joined as always by my most trusted first officer and co-host, Mason Trader. Welcome back, Mason. Oh, thank you, Jose. Yeah, of course. Mason. Do you know why today is a special episode, aside from it being our first Spooktober release?
2: Um, Well, it seems like it's got, the podcast feels incredibly nerdier than it normally does with just you, Jose.
3: That's right, Mason. Because today we are joined by our friends from the Better Than Citizen Kane podcast, Max Banyan and Parker Rollins. Welcome to the pod, boys. You guys can talk.
1: Well, you told us not to talk over because there's four of us, so we can't talk over each other on the pod. Okay,
3: right. that's the episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: Thanks, guys. Jose, you, you, you're bringing three people who, who you know, historically yeah, have know. razzed you a little bit onto a yeah. podcast. What did you expect?
3: No, this is the whole day uh, I was stressing about it because I was like, I oh, boy, imagine. Max and Mason back. I just get flashbacks to Poopy and the Truth, uh, which for the listeners who don't know and Parker... Who yeah. might not know? Uh, that was <laughs> how did it even how did that even happen? Was that on Max and Jose, oh, I or, you in, or was that I on Captain's you, log?
1: I can tell you in detail how that happened, Jose. Which is, we had Mason on Max and Jose, and uh, and we did so much incredible comedic, uh, talented, talentedly comedic riffing on um, your nickname being Poopy mm, and yes. Mason's being the That's truth. Right. And uh, what started as like a shock jock gag became me pitching that the name of of this show be changed to Poopy and the Truth. Yeah, it was my favorite bit. See, you made the mistake of bringing this up, Jose, Mm. because now I'm going to get all your viewers and listeners to agree with me that this show should be called Poopy and the Truth. And at the end of each episode, when you talk about uh, a myth or a monster or a cryptid or a murder that happened, Mm -hmm. and you're like, was this real? You can say, "Was that poopy, or was that the truth?" Mm-hmm. And then uh, so on. See, that's interesting I, because I was
4: also under the impression that "poopy and the truth" was consistently the opener for Benny and the Jets.
1: No, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I actually wrote. You guys went on tour. Changing.
2: Yeah. I wrote an intro for "poopy and the truth" that Jose keeps deleting and, re-enter and re- re- re-entering. Jose, if you'll allow me to actually finally read it.
3: Because it's a special occasion, <laughs> yes, I will.
2: Welcome back everybody to Poopy and the Truth on nine oh two one oh the butthole. <laughs> 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 that was it.
3: Uh yeah, so for, for for the real for the real fans, they know that when Mason and I started Captain's Log it was a radio show and that was that was our original name, Poopy and the Truth. Yep. Yeah. Due to copyright we had to we had to change it. But.
1: Anyway, anyway, Parker oh, and I do a very serious film podcast. Yeah, I was
3: going to say, for those, of, uh, for those of, of the listeners who are not familiar with, with your podcast, what, what is Better Than Citizen Kane about?
1: Yeah, anyway, so Jose and I do a podcast together, Mason and Jose do a podcast together, and Parker and I do a podcast together, and this is a crossover between Parker and I's podcast and Captain's Log. Parker, what's our podcast?
4: Our podcast is, uh, we're both little film guys, and... Everybody in little film guy groups always is talking about how Citizen Kane is the best movie ever made. And Max and I have decided that we're going to just look at a bunch of different movies and be like, but is this better than Citizen Kane? And so that's kind of the gist. We look at good movies. We look at bad movies. We look at old movies and new movies. And we compare them and contrast them to a movie that maybe deserves to be knocked off its pedestal a bit.
1: Yeah, just a little Also, if it's of any interest to your listener base, I know it's kind of spooky over here and you're in your spooktober. We're in the middle of our October block, which Mm -hmm. is um, we're doing Halloween movies. Yeah, Um, your
3: your first episode this month was Paranorman. I just I'm halfway listening to it through it right now. Um, Yeah, I'm a fan of their podcast, not just because they're here, but I do genuinely like their podcast. Um, I think the, the best episode is is the Ratatouille episode, though. I don't know why, uh, just non biased. Oh yeah, Mason, reasons. weren't
4: you on that one? I mean, it's, look, it's one of those things that I like that episode, but like, our guest just really got out of hand. He was really that's kind of an uh, asshole. Yeah, yeah
1: our, we, we like that episode too because we get to talk about Ratatouille, but like Parker said, our guest was a real jerk. Yeah, he was, he a, was a real Hollywood guy, huh? So what happened was a real
3: insider came onto the podcast and just schooled these two. That's what happened. Right. Are we talking over
2: each other, Jose? Yeah. Was that the rule that we made? (laughs) Who gives a fuck? It's fine. I I was going to say, it sounds like you got to talk about Ratatouille, but you had to talk to a real rat fuck of a person.
3: Max. Yeah, I know. It was pretty hard. (laughs) It was pretty pretty hard. So today, uh, we wanted to have some sort of synergy with uh, today's episode. Uh, So in honor of your podcast, um, today, we decided to continue our dive into the darkness and spookiness of Hollywood, because uh, we just did an episode on Peg Entwistle, uh, who was the, the starlet who jumped off the Hollywood land sign back in the uh, 1930s. And uh, today, we're going to be focusing on Hollywood spooks. Uh, and what I mean when I say that is that today we will be taking a look at some stories of famous ghosts, haunted movie sets, and cursed productions, as well as infamous and gruesome crimes relating to the glitz and Glamour of the City of Stars.
1: Which city is that?
3: Uh, the one Milwaukee. About. Oh, yeah, Cal- yes, one Ryan Gosling thing about Sacramento. Sacramento, California. California. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> with that being laid out, uh, are you all ready to uh, dive into this topic?
1: Absolutely. I got yeah. my water wings. I'm ready to dive in.
3: All right, then That's
2: let's. Good. Begin. You're
1: going to need them for my second story.
3: Okay, let's let's jump into it.
1: Ghosts.
4: Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do. You have.
0: They're here. Someone!
3: An invisible member of the folk rock group, the Mamas and the Papas, sleeping in your bed. Who are you gonna call? Dan Aykroyd. So you know the sign Ghost? It doesn't. So the reason you're gonna call Dan Aykroyd is this is because- a
2: reference? No. Is this a reference? What's, go- what's <laughs> Ghostbusters, what's Jose? Where did that come from?
3: Oh, do you guys have a soundboard?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Marker's
3: Mark, <laughs> the soundboard. That's me. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Hang uh, on. Fuck. Do Did the, you just do make a cricket noise?
1: A cricket noise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, do it again. Right, one more time. <laughs> it's great at parties. Man, this is what your What's podcast on? has been missing. <laughs>
2: Because I fuck these guys. <laughs> like, I can mean, you can show us up with goddamn sound?
3: Mason, Mason, do it. Do, do a sound effect. Show me what you got. Oh, yeah. You, you, you think a cricket's cool? Listen to what Mason can do. Mason, Mason, do it. Do something. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. Damn it. Mason, no, you gotta. That's like.
4: Oh, there you go. Okay, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, all right. You have a dripping faucet in there. That's right. Don't fucking patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: you're All probably right. going to call Dan Aykroyd because you're in his old house. Let me, let me explain, okay? If our I first story. Thread, don't worry about it. Okay. Our first story actually served as the inspiration for the 1984 comedy Ghostbusters, located on Woodrow Wilson Drive, yuck, in the Hollywood Hills, this five bedroom, because he was, you know, because he was a Klansman. Uh, this five-bedroom, five-and-a-half bathroom home. Huh?
2: The road was a Klansman? No,
3: Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. It's like infamously yeah, a adopt, oh.
1: You know how you can adopt a highway? The Klan adopted an avenue. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they knew it was bad
4: news when instead of white lines in the middle of the road, it was just segmented hoods yeah. all the way down.
3: <laughs> this five-bedroom, five-and-a-half bathroom home with an outdoor pool and a motor court has had its share of famous residents from Natalie Wood and Ringo Starr to Renee Zellweger and Mama Cass Elliott, of the aforementioned Mamas and the Papas. The house came into the possession of writer and actor Dan Aykroyd when he and his wife Donna Dixon purchased it sometime in the 1980s. As soon as the couple moved in, the activity began. It started with small things, objects being moved, the stairmaster being turned on, the piano playing, and doors being slammed. And then one night, things got... Freaky. One night, as Aykroyd was laying in bed after a day of shooting, this is where it would be like... Bwah, bwah, oh, I've bwah, seen bwah, this. The
1: ghost ah. The ghost unzips you know? his pants. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So,
3: yeah so, so one <laughs> night while he was laying in bed after a day of shooting, he felt someone get in bed next to him. He at first assumed it was his wife, but felt that whoever it was was much larger than Donna Dixon. That is when he turned around and a depression on the bed could be seen and felt whatever it was next to him. Aykroyd described the incident on beloved friend and patron saint of podcasting, Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, as With of Joe Rogan. Uh. yeah, as of the sexual nature, as if whatever it was, was putting the moves on him. Although Mama Cass died in London at the age of 32 in 1974 due to heart failure, Aykroyd is convinced it was her saying, I'm sure it's Mama Cass. You got the feeling it was a big ghost. Robbie Williams once stayed in the home and also reported an encounter with the specter of Mama Cass. He had rented a, do you, you Everybody here knows who Robbie Williams is, right? The singer? British singer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I had to look it up. I was like, who the fuck is Robbie Williams? Uh, he
2: yeah, had rented... We, we all know who it was, not you. Definitely, we weren't all just embarrassed to not know who he was in front of the other three. Yeah, that's so we yeah exactly right. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, we all
1: nodded. Uh, we we all nodded because we know... Robbie who he Williams. Is. Is. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. He the had famous rented... Famous British singer. Famous British brother singer. Brother of Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. No he had
3: rented the Brother home from Ackroyd.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: he had rented the home from Aykroyd while he was staying in LA for a few months. And one night, while watching a TV show, the song "California Dreamin'" by the Mamas and the Papas came on. At which point, the entire atmosphere of the house changed, and an absolute silence enveloped the home. Williams would discuss his experience with Zach Starkey, the son of Ringo Starr, who lived in the house as a child. Who asked him, "I hear you're at the old house. Have you met the kids yet? We used to play with them when we were little." Williams would then go on to say that his movers, who he hired to help him move out of the home, refused to step back in after seeing the old lady sitting in the chair. Aykroyd would go on to sell the home to Beverly D'Angelo, who claims to have also been visited by Mama Cass. Kind of fun, spooky kind of thing. Yeah.
1: There's most, also a rumor
3: uh, Dan Aykroyd also talked about on Joe rog- The Joe Rogan Experience, uh, that there was a rumor that one of the other ghosts who haunts the property was... Uh, a, a, a guy who overdosed at a party and was buried on, on a hill nearby, and he said that his daughter once saw him holding hands with a little girl in red, uh, walking down the hallway of the home.
1: I don't know if a if a ghost sat on my bed and it was like I trying had two to points Fuck about you. This. Well, no, no, I'd be into that. We've talked about this. Yes. I talked to two of you about this <laughs> yeah. at length. Um, and I'm guessing
2: I was the one you didn't talk to, but I knew you'd fuck a ghost as soon as yeah. I saw you. Yeah, you knew yeah. as soon as you saw yeah, him. That's yeah, that's entirely Max, Max. I saw screams. your face one time and I was like, That dude would fuck a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy
3: fucks ghosts.
2: Ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice.
1: Uh thanks everybody. Cool. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, I just I feel like it's just kind of weird to be like, it was a big ghost. That Must was kind of crazy. And I'm like, all right. Hundred, but also then, like, coming from Dan Aykroyd, but, of all people. Also, That's what I was going to say. Also, the other thing I have to say is that... Wait, so did they turn on the song? They turn on California Dreamin'? Yeah,
3: so Robbie Williams was watching a TV show, and then in the show, they played California Dreamin', and he says the atmosphere... <laughs> you know how, like, uh, the way I imagine is like a soundproof room where you walk in and it's like the absence of sound? Like, it, you can't even... That I think that's what he, to him, that's what it's it felt like.
1: Did she hate that song? Well, I was gonna say I feel like if I was a member of the Mamas and the Papas and I was dead in mm-hmm. my and like the biggest hit came on, I wouldn't show up because I'd be like, I've heard that before. Yeah. I'd just, just like my best. Work. I'd come out for the deep cuts, you know.
3: Mm, yeah. 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 That's true. That is fair.
1: Really interested I would call in uh, that Ringo Dan Aykroyd's
2: haunted house. Uh, colon being fat phobic to a ghost. Yeah, that was crazy, yeah. right?
3: I, I wanted yeah. to wait. I saw your guys' faces after I said it, and I knew you would all <laughs> react like way. that. Hey. But I was like, I gotta wait till the end to see what they say. Um, yeah, I remember. Again, I just was like, weird to fat shame a ghost. Dan Aykroyd.
1: That's cool. To be her. Well, interesting story, Jose. Thanks for. Sharing. Thank you,
3: thank you, guys. I think it's kind of. And then yeah, like I, you know, you see the inspiration behind uh, that one scene in Ghostbusters.
1: Right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. finally, he plays out what he would have liked to have done. Yeah, happened, yeah, you know? exactly. But interestingly, also, interestingly makes the ghost not Mama Cass. Well, because he's not. I mean, no. you wouldn't make her that, but, you know, he made her the one I was going to
3: say a yeah. messed up joke. Anyway, but um, That's I don't know if you case guys case. know this, but Dan Aykroyd actually has, like, a long connection with ghost hunting. Uh, his father and yeah, his father's father. Ghostbusters. No, 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 but, like, <laughs> you would be interested in this, Max. Because, I don't know shut if you know this, up. but Dan Aykroyd does that. Shut up. You would be interested in this, Max, because you're always reading old books about um Oh no, uh, don't
1: bring up a nice friend thing that you know about me. Don't be nice now. Anyway, no. Max. Yeah,
3: go ahead. Kick me while I'm down. Um but uh so Max, you like to read a lot of uh books about uh, old uh like spiritualists and, and ghost hunters. Uh yeah, his all my sleepovers. Great grand his great grandpa or his grandfather was like uh, held seances and and, and, and pushed That's a funny. lot in the early days of ghost hunting he was like a key figure uh they just published a book a, th- a couple years ago Ackroyd uh, and his father and his brother published a book based on the journals that his uh grandfather great-grandfather kept and um yeah it's kind of crazy that it, like it passed through the family like this ghost hunting thing also he sells vodka or whatever That crystal skull shit thanks jose this podcast is brought to you by crystal skull vodka God,
4: all I'm saying is that I think his sales figures would go through the roof if he actually got a good skull design for those bottles. Yeah, they it's suck. Lame. It's it's they lame. They suck. I okay.
2: I don't want like. you to relax. <laughs> Why don't you guys? Maybe when you guys you have your own vodka uh, company, you can make whatever you want.
4: Look, Mason, we've already we've already put a bid on your skull when you die. This We're is to bottle it after. Wow, that, that, this is interesting nice because
3: you might not know this, guys, but Mason's kind of this like the bones guy around here got a oh, thing for yeah. skulls and stuff so really one of my friends you has promised his bones were you the
2: showrunner <laughs> yeah,
3: oh, the good. show bones oh nice. that's good mm, that's yes, a good Parker, one yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> well yes that's why i <laughs> named Shut her up. bones
3: one of my one of my 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 uh <laughs> my friends has promised his skeleton after his death to mason
2: yep a skeleton to the a skeleton, skeleton. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I really do have like this is like real i have like Seventeen got a bunch or eighteen of animal skulls in pretty, my apartment.
1: That's really cool, man. Very cool. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine if you promised someone else's skeleton to your friend?
3: Like you can, if have it like when he you dies can have Max's skeleton. when he dies. Do you want it?
2: Cool.
1: I yeah, want you it. it. You can yeah, have nobody's it. Nobody's put an offer on it yet. I mean, I'm
2: not using it anymore. Yeah. At I, point, so. what that's what, kind what, of my thought. Well, <clears throat> that was a very fun little anecdote about the guy who created Ghostbusters. This is um a horrible and sad story. Oh yeah. fifteenth. 1947, Betty Bersinger was walking down Norton Avenue in Los Angeles, Los Angeles when she found an abandoned mannequin in an empty lot. Upon a close inspection, the mannequin turned out to not be a mannequin, but it was in fact a human corpse. The then unidentified woman's body was mutilated to an extreme level. It was cut in half at the waist, drained of all blood, disemboweled, and had pieces of flesh removed from the breasts and thighs, and cuts from the corners of the mouth, uh, like up to the ears in some horrific Joker-esque fashion.
3: They call that, um, there's a name for it. Uh, Glasgow Smile. That's what it is, yeah, Glasgow Smile.
2: Uh, The woman was identified through fingerprints as Elizabeth Short. Elizabeth had moved to LA six months earlier and was described as a quote-unquote Hollywood hopeful. The media quickly picked up on this story and wasted no time blaming Elizabeth for her own death. Uh, Elizabeth was branded a uh, sexual deviant, and one paper wrote, quote, The victim knew at least 50 men at the time of her death, and at least 25 men had been seen with her in the 60 days preceding her death. You know she was a teaser f- of men.
1: You know how knowing 50 men means that you have to die?
2: The media went on to dub Elizabeth the Black Dahlia due to her reported disposition for wearing black clothing. Uh, it was also a reference to the film The Blue Dahlia released in 1946 a year earlier about a naval officer returning home to his wife find out she's unfaithful breaks up with her just before she is found dead fucking stupid Yeah I don't I really didn't know get that's where that name came from Yeah that's, that's a that's a
3: stupid yeah. reference to they just went, what's that right now? I mean, we talked about this in last episode, Mason, about how you'd expect golden age of Hollywood newspapers to have to better name things, although the Black Dahlia is a pretty good name. But, like, for instance, so we talked about Peg Entwistle last episode of Boys, and uh, after she committed suicide, uh, the name that they gave her was just, what was it, the Hollywood Sign Girl. Yep. And we were like, ah. Huh. Would if- have thought they would have been...
2: If Hollywood You'd News re- was half as creative as they were misogynistic, they'd be much better. So, yeah.
4: So what I'm hearing is that we have a distinct lack of, like, a dude getting murdered a few years ago and being named Jack uh, Zack
1: Snyder's Justice League. Yeah,
3: yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the equivalent yeah. of that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so it was like you so, would prefer that the media make a snappy name so they can, uh, like... Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, yeah. 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 I think,
2: actually, creativity. to be... Completely fair. It would be more accurately just iced league. Like mm-hmm. Okay. that's, See, yeah. that's yeah. actually good. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cheap. That I
4: is.
3: could
2: crack it. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. good. This that's why we do what we, do, what we uh, do. That's
3: why yeah. we're the professionals yes. here.
2: Yes. Because um, yeah. the hardest thing to do is sit back and pick apart other people's work. <laughs> uh, in the following weeks, uh, the LAPD and the Los Angeles Examiner, which was a newspaper magazine at the time, received several letters and packages from someone claiming to be the killer. One package included Elizabeth's birth date or birth certificate, excuse me, an address book with the name Mark Hansen on the cover, and other personal belongings. All of these were wiped down with gasoline, so no fingerprints could be found. There was reportedly half a fingerprint on one of the envelopes, but it got destroyed while transporting to wherever they needed to look for it. So,
3: yeah, we've talked at length on on this podcast before about just like cops Back in in olden times, being like, I'm gonna throw this away, you know, like, oh, that's gross, that's got blood on it, you know, yeah, Yuck. Just, 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 so, just, like, for instance, one of the biggest ones is the the uh, Veliska axe murder house. I don't know if you guys are aware of it. Family yeah. got axe killed by an axe murder. All these like sheets with blood and everything. The day that they were discovered, they just went in and went like, oh, these are dirty. We should throw these away, and they threw them all away. <laughs> just all this DNA evidence just destroyed. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um.
2: So. Uh, Oh, there are a few different letters. He's kind of teasing cops. It's kind of Zodiac-esque almost, but kind of stupider. Um, uh, one letter, he was like, I'm, I had my fun with the police. I'll be here at 10 a.m. Come catch me. Come get me. And he did not show up. And after that, uh, he wrote another letter, uh, quote, Have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. That was it. So, you know... I mean, case cops, closed. Assume, sounds like it was assume, self-defense.
1: Yeah, I assume the cops went, oh, well, if it's justified, then we won't well, let get any further. Nothing to worry about right. here, boys. Let's That's go for steaks, milk, and drinks. huh?
3: Eh? Did you hear she knew 50 men?
1: <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Then it's justified.
3: Sounds like,
4: <laughs> sounds like she had it coming. If only we gave him a square deal. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Instead of an oval deal. I don't know what we were thinking.
3: <laughs> so that's it, Mason. Wow, thank you.
2: So while the case of Elizabeth Short has never been officially solved, wait, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) Two people, two people claim to know the answer. Steve Hodel, Hodel, I think it's Hodel. Uh, Steve Hodel, a former LAPD detective, claims his father, George Hodel, is responsible. Steve found photos in his father's attic after his father's passing of a woman who bears a striking resemblance to Elizabeth. Uh, So Steve decided to open his own investigation and lose his place. Uh, So Steve decided to open his own investigation on his father, and among the list of evidence he found is a quote-unquote strong but not conclusive match of handwriting analysis. Uh, The fact that his father, George, was a doctor, and the state of the body was consistent with a procedure called, and oh boy, here we go, Hemicrop ectomy, hemicroporectomy, hip, hemicroporectomy.
4: That's exactly what I don't right. listen to hip
2: hop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that was a that was a procedure that was taught in the nineteen thirties at medical school, which is where um, which is where George attended, which is basically it's got something to do with separating the lower back from like the lumbar place, which is very similar to how um, Elizabeth was was cut in half. So nice. that was why were they yeah. teaching that? I don't think it was. I don't think the lesson was how to cut somebody in half. Oh, I gotcha. think it was a medical okay. procedure okay. that then he did
1: other stuff. Oh, with.
3: gotcha. Okay. I was like, that's a um, weird thing.
1: All right, boys it's... and
3: girls, today we're gonna learn how to cut a body in half.
1: Well, they thought that's how magicians did it. Yeah. Were he today accidentally we're went to them. a magician's class one day, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it went horribly wrong. Uh, also, I he should have known Donner... it was
3: the wrong class when he walked into the room and the professor's name was the Great. I didn't have a magician saying damn. I started it. the joke an and then go, I was like, go, "It'll go. come Think to me." You should have known he was in the wrong classroom when he walked in, and the professor wrote, "The Great Zamboni."
1: There it is. Thank you, everybody. Um, now here's my joke. Uh, I assume Steve also found a book just titled "How I Did It," which is yeah, yeah the O.J. leather-bound volume. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah. I almost did O.J. as one of my stories. <sighs>
3: I would have had very strong feelings about that case. <laughs> and
2: so now that I've I missed a real opportunity to flex my sports knowledge on you guys.
3: Yeah, that you would have act that would have been yeah. yeah, would. Would have been
1: yeah. Oh see I wasn't even making an OJ reference. I was just making a, a uh, Frankenstein reference, but that's fine. Oh yeah.
3: I just watched what? Young Frankenstein the other night. You know when he goes in oh, and he finds yeah. a book that's like how I did it.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Yes,
2: okay. Yeah fair enough okay movies. so um also uh he had found a receipt for a large bag of concrete which was the same size and brand of concrete that elizabeth's body was found in she was like like half shoved in a concrete bag and it was the same brand and size. was it
4: stamped with their logo when it dried how do you how do you brand concrete
2: Oh, yeah, it she was, was in the bag, bag. Right? Like a dry concrete, concrete that you concrete. add water I, to. Mm-hmm. He dumped the concrete out and then put the body in a bag. I see. Okay. I
4: just pictured, like, they walk
2: up, and it's just, like, trademarked, stonewall <laughs> yes. concrete. It was a big Acme. <laughs> yeah. <had> yes. Stamped <laughs> in it, like Roadrunner, yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, so... And then then the receipt. Uh, w- Steve wrote a book about this, about his father, released it. The LA Times, while fact-checking that book found that George was also at the top of the LAPD's suspect list after Elizabeth's murder. George's home was bugged in 1950, and upon other transcripts, the one that stood out the most to me was, and this is a quote from him, "Uh, yeah, realize there was nothing I could do. Put a pillar over her head and cover her with a blanket. Get a taxi. Expired. 1259. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. He continues on. Supposing I did kill Black Dahlia, they couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead.
1: God. And the police heard that and went, "Oh, I must be watching something on the." television. But you also
3: have to. Uh, I mean, it's also Not that the LAPD has gone any better. But this is like the height of them just sucking
2: ass. Okay, so here's the thing, right? I will say, because that was the end of the first of the two suspects. And I was like, I'm not even going to put the second one in this. Obviously, we figured it out. This other one is fucking weirdly suspicious still.
3: Ah, because okay. I've heard this it before and I've always thought that Hodel was
2: his son,
1: the isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I was a five year old boy. I knew I it. <laughs> 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 well,
1: that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's they bugged his house. Well,
3: that's what some people think about the OJ case. But it was his son. Okay. Who did.
1: Were we talking
3: about O.J.? We were earlier, so. Yeah.
1: Look, Max, just we because were. you're upset that they misunderstood your
2: reference. <laughs> continue, Move basically. on. It was a bad reference. He wrote a book called If I Did It. <laughs> he did. He did, actually. That's exactly I said what how called. I did it. Oh, Thank okay. Okay. All continue. right, so in 2017, author, and I, I i don't know exactly how the first name is pronounced. It's P-I-U. 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 P-U. 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 We'll just I pronounce it
3: English.
2: Preston. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Eatwell uh, published a book claiming that Leslie Dillon was the murderer. Eatwell suggests that Dillon was hired to kill Elizabeth by a local club owner, Mark Hansen. And if you'll remember, Mark Hansen was the name on the address book that was mailed to oh. her to the police along with the birth certificate and other personal items of Elizabeth's.
4: Founding member of the group Hansen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Mm. They, they said, Mark, did you do it? And he went, mm, not. And then he was like, oh, that's an idea for a song. <laughs> Ooh, that's <laughs> nice. good. It's yeah. a good mm-hmm. cut. Um, okay. Anyway, so Mark Hansen, uh, so uh, local. Uh, this is why I don't read the stories very often. Um, so basically, she, she suggests that Mark Hansen hired Dylan to kill Elizabeth after he became infatuated with her and tried to make a move, and she spurned his advances. Uh, Dylan previously worked as a mortician's assistant, uh, allowing for the, uh, theories about, mm. um, blood drainage yeah. and things like that. Um, I, there were a few bits that I left out of the murder part that I'm going to mention now. And Jose, you're okay. You're welcome to cut this out. It felt like it was too much. Okay. Um, Dylan, uh, claimed that he was, uh, writing a book about the case, although it just dissolved and nothing ever came out. Uh, finally for this theory... Henry Hoffman, the owner of the Astor Motel, reportedly found one of his motel cabins. Cause you know, I'm guessing LA used to have a thing where instead of like a motel rooms, they had like <clears throat> a bunch of different tiny little places you could stay. Yeah, the I've town that I, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah the town that yeah. I live in still has one of those hotels, and it's straight out of the fucking 1960s.
2: Right, so he had one of those. He found, the morning of the body, uh, that the body was found, he found one of the motel cabins was, quote, covered in blood and fecal matter. Mm. And in a different cabin, a bundle of bloody women's clothes wrapped in, like, brown butcher's paper was found. However, Hoffman did not report this crime scene to the police because he was arrested four days earlier for domestic abuse and wanted to avoid police. So he just cleaned cleaned it up. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is where Eatwell, and it was like 10 minutes south of like um, USC, I believe.
3: Yeah, okay.
2: Um, Eatwell claims that that was the scene of the crime, that was where the murder happened, and then the body was moved there. And that's supported by the fact that police also agree that the crime did not happen where the body was found, that it was moved there. (sighs) Um, and finally, Eatwell says that the reason none of this ever made it to any past just this theory is because Hansen, who was the owner of a few night- of like a nightclub and a movie theater, had connections in the police department that allowed for him to get away with it, which because it's the LAPD, I can't rule it out.
3: No, 100%. Um, remind me, maybe I'm wrong, Mason, but I remember that also uh, Hodell also had some connections to LAPD, right? Was he not like a uh, yeah, donor or something? Was,
2: well, he was their top suspect, but I don't think he was like working for them. No, uh, no. Steve Hodel, the younger son, was a detective for the, the right. LAPD.
3: But I I, I thought because I've, I've, I've obviously, obviously I think most people have heard of this. And I remember reading or watching something that talked about maybe one of the reasons that aside from being at the top of their suspect list and never went further was because he was also like a donor to the LAPD or something like that. It's very It wouldn't possible, surprise yeah. me, though. See, yeah. now I don't know. I didn't know about the second guy. I've always thought it was Hodel, but
2: that's... So I was... I did I the same like thing. That. I read the Hodel story and was like, well, obviously this guy fucking is the murderer. Yeah. But it's weird because both the stories answer different unknowns about the crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Neither of story fully fits the picture. Both of them fill different gaps, though.
3: Sure. Well, we certainly went on a journey of... uh um of tonality uh um how are you boys doing
2: yeah i didn't laugh great. one we're time okay. make me laugh you fucking clowns yeah
1: um sorry mason uh the fuck uh, where's uh, the ghostbuster balls. blowjob jokes from the black dahlia uh uh music reference movie <laughs> reference
3: oh nice nice, nice. look
1: max make tried with young frankenstein and
3: nobody thought
4: he
2: was funny
3: i thought it was funny, I thought Ma- it was funny max man.
2: make a joke right now yeah Ooh. be funny what do you call a dog? A dog. No, about that's a, that's that is in that involves this story. God, that's so Max. Oh, that Max, they a joke the about story. the
3: story. It's okay, Max. You don't have to. Uh, Mason stop being like, you mean. You know
1: f- you know what I, if I were the police, I simply wouldn't have bugged that guy, especially if they thought he was the murderer because he might have because they were bugging him, get it? Like annoying. A woman died, uh, Max. Uh,
3: uh, How dare you. Uh, Max.
1: Jesus oh, fucking Christ, you. dude! <laughs> dude, have some respect. Part <laughs> this story. is your go host. Next, look, next, I, next story. I'm trying. I'm trying to. This just long. in, next Max, be-
3: Max Benny will no longer be a part of Better Than Citizen Kane.
1: <laughs> next story. Um. <laughs> anyway, that was really sad. No, that is really right, right. the Black but Dahlia sad. murder is one. I thought of the we were most... going to talk about ghosts, and that was sad. Yeah, it's one of the
3: most. I have a sad one at the end too. So get get ready. My next one
1: also sad.
3: At the end, my last one. Sorry. Oh,
1: okay. Because I have. a I think we get into mine because mine's silly. Okay.
3: Or, um, great. The obviously the black dolly is one of the most infamous cases. Um, yeah, it's just always. I mean, if it's a murder, so of course it's Robbie the wrong way. But like, it's just it's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, Jose, I don't know I'll about take, you guys, but I'm I don't an know, empath. That murder so, store really real. broke me the wrong way. <laughs> no, it's yeah. just nice it's say, just Jose. horrific. Um, that it's one I think it's the one of the rare Hollywood related crimes where it happened to someone in the industry or around the industry that was so gruesome because you have I mean I read a bunch for this episode but you have a lot of of deaths that happen and they're usually just like this person got shot this person was stabbed blah blah, blah. but the Dahlia yeah. murders just horrific especially with the it's way much more that n-
2: the body was mutilated yeah really rec- like really harkens back to a lot of like serial killers that we yes see. it's fi- but the fact that there was no it's not like other bodies turned up with exactly. the same kind of trademark it was just it like to and me like if you so said scary. like
3: oh that was one of the the what, what were they called the the hillside strangler murders or whatever yes totally ma- or the toolbox killers totally makes sense right because it's very within the but then like again it's just a one-off i don't it's just crazy it's just
2: yeah, that was a that was a fun little dive into the true crime part of this than that. I saw both of your guys' eyes just glaze
1: over <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Not my well, area. Yeah.
3: Tell you what, I'm going to bring it a little bit lighter. We're going into into cursed movie set territory.
2: Oh, boy. See, that's yeah. I'm all set with that. Yeah, it is the greatest. So next time we do a crossover and you guys have us on your show, we should do the Blue Dahlia
3: oh oh there we go or 13 okay. yeah or yeah we should definitely use some some spooky oh and that's old too that's the perfect marriage of ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife Catherine was fulfilled by the birth of their son Damien and then
0: when the child was five years old something terrible
3: happened it is the greatest mystery of all because no human being will ever solve it. That was the tagline for 1976's The Omen, directed by Richard Donner. I solved
1: Bonner. it. Oh, what I was it? I solved it. I saw the movie. I solved it. Oh. It's a sequel to Roman Holiday.
3: All right. Well, that's, uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, my name yeah. is Jose. I've been your captain. Um, so it's a film about an American. Nice one, Max. Uh, it's a film about an amb- American ambassador who adopts a young boy named Damien, who turns out to be the Antichrist himself. Plenty of bizarre deaths and occurrences occur within the film occurrences occur, uh, which followed the success of The Exorcist in its attempt to terrify American audiences with demonic involvement. But what if I told you all the horrors did not stop with the end credits? As many film fans surely know, and if you guys don't know, you shouldn't be doing a film podcast. Do you guys know about this?
1: End credits? Yeah, I've seen them. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Once or twice.
3: <laughs> so as many film fans surely know, the production of The Omen was cursed. It all began with the suicide of lead actor Gregory Peck's son in 1975, followed by Peck's airplane, which was bringing him to London for the role, being struck by lightning. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
1: Like, followed by his airplane committing suicide? So like, yeah. Oh, no.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh it's pretty God. sad.
1: Thomas, the tank engine was inconsolable for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's Man sad. Died. It's sad. Sad things happened. Okay, guy I made died. a joke. Are you happy, Mason? Yeah,
4: guy <laughs> died, Max. Why do you up. keep making jokes about people dying?
1: <laughs> do a bit about his Buddy plane Holly, got Holly struck now. By, his plane got struck by lightning.
3: <laughs> so his plane gets struck by lightning. Who cares, right? Airplanes are struck by lightning all the time. Yeah,
1: I don't care. Is that true?
3: Yes, actually. All the time. I mean, that's a big fucking yeah, metal thing okay. in the sky. It's gonna I get mean, struck by lightning.
2: I need... Look you know I'm I, I'm from a flyover state that is true so how often do airplanes get struck by lightning
3: a lot and you don't you never notice it because it's just Cause the, the, government the planes doesn't want you to know they're the, it. <laughs> yeah no the planes are just they they're, is real. they're, they're, they're coded is real. and you know they're okay yeah so nice. that was in the end of it though because shortly after executive producer Mace Newfeld's plane was also struck by lightning en route to la and then Writer David Seltzer's plane was also struck by lightning, and while the production was filming in Rome. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, we also just established that that happens. Yes, a lot.
3: but what's <laughs> weird is that it's all—it's happening to all these people who have connection to the film. Wow, it's almost like well, because the There are four of us here. What are the odds that my airplane gets struck by lightning, and then Don't. each one of your airplanes will
4: also?
2: Well, you also just it this. Shut the a fuck lot. up. Shut well, the I fuck mean, up. Do this. Don't invite <laughs> up. that on us. <laughs> The fuck? Jose, now I
4: hope they get struck by If we by were filming a movie that prominently featured a Tesla coil in every scene, and we had to transport said Tesla coil in each of our individual planes, maybe this would happen more often. Indeed. Uh, yeah. You
2: know what, actually, he <laughs> brings a good you point, and Jose, I would indeed. like to... I'm going to drop out of your brand new film, the Tesla coil Damn it. fiasco. No. I don't want to be a part of it anymore.
3: <laughs> I can't do it.
2: Well, anyway, so... Yeah. You while- scabbed for that? You scabbed no. for
3: the Tesla coil fiasco? Yes.
4: That's what you
2: sprung for? Oh, Jeez. you guys haven't... You guys don't even know the fucking start of it yet. It's funded by fucking Elon Musk. It's Tesla. Coil. Oh Shut the fuck it's up. It's not even the kind of Tesla coil you're thinking of. It's the other no. time. Yeah. I thought it was... Uh, it's I, a, I was it's, picturing yeah. David Bowie this whole time. No, Man.
3: no. You it's wish. Just, it's Elon in a hat, in a cowboy hat, Come wearing it backwards the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So while in Rome, producer Harvey Bernhard was Wait, narrowly. Actually,
2: real Rome, quick, but did all so four of those people die in no, plane no, no. crashes? No, no, they oh, just they were just, just, just struck by lightning. All right, well, that's, even it, then why are we talking about? Why are we talking yeah, about that's it? that's a lot less scary. <laughs> this is Have the
3: fucking beginning the of movie? the curse. <laughs> Relax, okay?
2: That would be like you being struck by lightning. All four of us stepped on a crack today before recording this podcast. Like, yeah, there are a lot of cracks, man.
3: <laughs> While yeah, filming in cracks. Rome, producer Harvey Bernard was narrowly missed by a lightning strike, and that's not the end of it either. At some point... So the pro- five
2: people have almost died by
3: lightning. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Anyway. Wow, so the like- cast
4: and crew of The Omen was targeted by Spider-Man villain The Shocker. Yes. what I'm to Yeah, God. by Jamie Foxx. Sure.
3: Uh, at some Spider-Man point...
1: Spider-Man villain God.
4: You know? Yeah.
3: At some point, the production had hired a small plane for aerial shots, but at the last minute, the plane really? they yes. were supposed to board was given over to a different client and would crash shortly after takeoff, oh. killing everyone on board. Further adding to the fire, Mace- make
4: a
2: joke. People died. Make
3: a joke, Max. I dare you. Fucking
2: dare you. I, well, I just gotta say that this is this is a pretty shitty curse because it's only killing people
1: that aren't involved in the movie.
3: <laughs> yeah are um, we
1: sure it wasn't a curse on that one small plane? <laughs> so yeah, right. Maybe it's
3: just an aviation curse. It's only cur I think it's this only this is airplane.
1: the biplane curse. Yeah.
3: So further adding to uh, the, f- this
1: is the curse
2: of this is the curse of flying in the seventies.
3: Yeah. Further adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. So Mace Newfeld, who was supposed to dine at this restaurant, gets that there, there's no seats available because the fucking re- the restaurant was bombed by the IRA. And that same day, so. It's
1: more serious than seats not being available. (laughs) Yeah, but. He got there and they were like, I'm sorry, sir. We're fresh out of seats. So, too. You haven't noticed our restaurant has been blown up.
2: It's like like Gus from Breaking Bad, where he's like, I'm sorry, we have no seats, and then just falls over and the entire back (laughs) of his skull is gone. So, wait time's about an hour. Yeah.
3: No, (laughs) you guys laugh, but that is how people are. When one night while I was working at my hotel, we lost the entire they got city bombed by the IRA. <laughs> they got bombed by the fucking IRA. Uh no, the entire city lost power because it was like a massive thunderstorm and like the drive was flooded. It was a whole mess. And the hotel's completely dark. And this guy pulls up in a car and he pulls up next to me as I'm holding my flashlight and he goes, Hey, uh, we're just here for dinner. And I was like, Uh, sir, the hotel is currently having a blackout, and he's like, oh, is that what that is? I was wondering why the lights were off, and I was like, huh? He's like, I didn't know there was a blackout, and I was like, look around here, the entire fucking city is dark, like, you can't see anything, you were just I driving. thought it was just nap time. And then he goes, so can we not valet, or should we self-park? And I was like, no! Fucking restaurant's closed, man! Yeah, It's closed, buddy. Wow. It's pretty fun. Uh, well, anyway, so too had the hotel that Richard Donner uh, was staying at was also bombed by the IRA, which isn't that... we'll get into that at the end. But so the production had horrible luck when it came to animals on set. None were harmed, but they did commit their fair share of harm. The
4: Rottweilers is
2: continuing to be the curse of no one getting hurt. I was gonna say when I think of possession,
4: I think of IRA bombings and lightning.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The The Rottweilers Rottweilers almost biting
4: people.
3: The Rottweilers used as hellhounds would often turn on their trainers the baboons used in the safari scene were extremely vicious, and the animal trainer brought on to deal with the baboons was killed by a tiger the day after production had wrapped, shooting at that location. But the most tragic and chilling event surrounding the production came in the horrific death of Liz Moore, the assistant okay, of spe- real quick
2: though, I just need to make sure that we get on record that not the Rottweilers, baboons, or tigers' fault, that's just what they do.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The assistant of special effects designer John Richardson, who had designed... So in the in the film, there's a death. One of the characters gets beheaded by a uh, a pane of glass, right?
2: You guys have a film podcast. Have you seen The Omen? Yeah, I yeah. have actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've also seen. So it. Yeah, I know John... that was me being Jose. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> that was a John great impression. <laughs> that oh was my incredible. god! Wow. Yeah. I've been working on it for a while now. Anyway. Oh, he's big mad. He's fuming. He's breathing into the (laughs) bike, everyone. (laughs) So
3: so John Richardson designs this decapitation for one of the characters. While Richardson and Moore are driving through the Netherlands for another production, uh, the pair was involved in a car accident. Richardson escaped with minor injuries, but Moore was decapitated by a tire that had smashed into the car. The most curious part of this, the incident occurred on Friday the the 13th, 1976 with a nearby sign displaying the vicinity to a nearby town and it said omen 66.6 kilometers away could these be simple coincidence only the devil knows now let me tell you guys some information <laughs> uh so ira well, bombing this, <laughs> <of, laughs>
2: this is part of this is are you, you the, the devil, devil and do you r- know
3: I know. I'm you guys, guy.
2: you guys are in for a real treat. This is the part of the podcast where Jose gives us a really, like, decently compelling story and then undercuts the entire thing by being like, none of it actually happened. It's all bullshit, but it's spooky. You were scared <laughs> for, like, a minute, right?
3: I'm a man of truth. So
2: he really he really is in league with Elon, then, because it's like bringing
4: out a robot that's a person <laughs> oh, in a God. suit. Being like, but wouldn't it be cool if it, it, I, what
1: I, if it was a robot? I just
3: saw a clip of that the other day, and I went, God.
1: All right. I
3: was like what's the information? Well, so I mean, IRA bombings were not that, disim. We're not too um. Uncommon? Unusual, uncommon at the time. They say um, the
4: IRA doesn't bomb
3: the same place twice. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, who? <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey, who says that? They.
3: The hey. IRA. Um, the lightning again, lightning <laughs> strikes <laughs> the happen the all the time <laughs> on airplanes, and like Mason said, animals are animals. They're probably just gonna do the things that they do. The only one that is kind to me is like. What a weird case of coincidence is that you know John Richardson gets all this praise for a, a specific special effect that he does in a film, and then his assistant dies by a, the almost is the that, exact same. Okay,
1: way. but here's here's my question, Jose. And I the trust film you they
3: were working on was for Richard Attenborough, by the way, when they okay, were in the Netherlands. Well, I,
1: okay, so okay, great. So I trust you to do good research, like yeah. you just told me the Richard Attenborough thing. Great. Um, is the town omen real? And is there really a sign that says sixty-six point six miles away? Because it feels like no one would put that on a sign. That feels like that feels like you're at a sleepover. Some guy made something up. The point six is. Yeah, I think out. that's the just the point six. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I
3: think that's just a reported thing. There is a city in the Netherlands called Omen, but the sixty-six point six, I think that's just a rumor. I don't know. Sure. I don't. I've never. There, yeah. I I looked it up, but there's not like yeah. Look, here's a sign. Um, I saw
4: a picture, and every point of a mile there is a new sign that says 66.7 66.6 66.5 yeah
3: yeah mm-hmm. so yeah yeah
1: <laughs> they, they put all their budget into yeah hey man the chamber also, of commerce is
4: broke man <laughs> yeah. they, they poured also, all
2: that not to be like this guy about it but uh you said miles and it's uh kilometers
3: i said kilometers
2: no you did he did uh, oh did. i'm Parker. gonna report because said, i'm an uh, idiot <laughs> it's because I'm stupid, Mason, Mason.
1: Mason's trying to get us on
2: paraphrasing. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't. Here's the problem, right? Wait, Mason, so, we Parker, just met. You
1: need to realize I'm a moral.
2: <laughs> no, here's the problem, Parker. Is that Max and Jose, when I do jokes like that, they're like. <sighs> and the, But you're just like, yeah, I'm dumb. And it's like, well, that's not fun for me when, <laughs> when, you, just do, when you do that. Stop. When I make fun of them, they're Stop like. Stop letting sh- me be mean to you, Parker. But they get so flustered. They're like, sh- shut up. But you're just oh, like, yeah. Up. Well, because yeah, I think I Max and
3: I are like nerds, but like Parker's like a, a, like Did a nerd. Did you hear how
2: fast Jose said, <laughs> no, I said kilometers, when I said you said miles? Yeah, like. Exactly. Did you hear how quickly he was like, no, no, I said kilometers. I'm actually pretty sure I made sure. I, I said kilometers.
1: A sign, a sign of a healthy friendship. <laughs> I just think Jose like is Parker, on guard. Parker is
3: yeah. better equipped as as a person than Max and I are. Max and I, people say mean things and we go, rumph. And Parker's yeah. just like, yeah.
1: Parker's got a, Parker's got sure. a master's degree. That's, yeah, actually,
4: that's that's what, that's what does it. Yeah, they slip, underneath your master's degree, when you take it out, the flip side of the degree is just saying, you're a moron, accept it. You went to grad school, idiot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you brought a motherfucker with a master's degree and they can do cricket noises with his mouth on his fucking I, 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 I didn't know.
3: I, yeah, I didn't the know.
2: The fuck, you brought him in to show me up like this?
3: I knew about the master's, but I didn't know about the cricket noises. If he, if I knew, his I wouldn't have. What's master's in?
2: Uh. Phil. Phil.
3: Podcasting, <laughs>
1: Is it in Podcast? film? Is yes. really in film?
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. so, it's not no, like no. Real. so it's not like a real one. No, it's not real. <laughs> it's an MFA in film. It's it's
4: completely made up.
2: <laughs> you fucking nice idiot save, mate, Imagine It's going a, to a film series school. of letters.
4: <laughs> yeah. Fucking
2: moron. Jose can attest to this. The reason I've never left my hometown is because uh, if I don't try, I can always just make fun of people who fail. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Fail.
3: Good evening, everyone. Tonight, our metropolitan area and the whole world mourns the death of 43-year-old movie actress Natalie Wood. Miss Wood won the hearts and minds of fans of the silver screen
2: everywhere. All right, well, everybody, you're going to enjoy this. This is another huge bummer, and it relates to uh, someone who once... I don't remember if, if she owned or stayed the night in the Dan house. I think the she Dan owned it, house.
3: or rented it.
2: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, November 29th, 1981, the body of actress Natalie Wood is found floating face down on a a mile away from the yacht named Splendor, right off the coast of the Catalina Islands. Uh, Aboard the boat was Wood's husband, Robert Wagner, ship captain Dennis Darren, and Natalie's brainstorm co-star, Christopher Walken.
3: Uh, Here on Uh, the, you guys can't see this, but it corrected to walked, which is pretty funny. Christopher he walked. walked.
2: He Christopher didn't. Walked. He was on a boat. Yeah. Wood's death was initially ruled an accidental drowning. Uh, the report went that Woods went to bed while Wagner and Walken stayed up talking. Nice. Wagner. <laughs> nice. You guys nice. all right? Yeah.
3: Stay up talking. That's good.
2: You guys okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that was really good. I'm just good. still that was thinking really about good.
3: Christopher walked. <laughs>
2: Okay. All right. I'm right. just making sure. Okay. So, yeah. so they were up talking, and Wagner went to bed uh, later and found that both Woods and the yacht's dinghy were just gone. Um, and then that was the end of it until 2011, when uh, Darren, the ship captain, uh, said that the events that happened the night of Woods' death may haven't been accurate. Maybe he left some things out. What he told the police. Um And Darren claimed uh, that the whole weekend was filled with arguments. Uh, quote, The argument started the day before. The tension was going through the whole weekend. Robert Wagner was jealous of Christopher Walken. Uh, at one point, Wagner allegedly broke a bottle on a table and screamed at Walken, Are you trying to fuck my wife? Uh, and it was at this point, uh, Darren remembered Walken was like, I'm walking out. And he went back to his room. He
3: said that. He said, oh, God, I, don't do I, I don't know do if, it. if I can. not know okay." Yeah. <laughs> I'm going uh, go to yeah. My... I'm uh, gonna go Yeah. I'm going to walk out to my room. I can't I can't do it. What was this? I was way <laughs> more was confident in my head, but that was no, not Oh, I it.
1: liked that. No, it, was, yeah, that, it was that was really interesting. Yeah. That was an and interesting impression of what I assume Robert really Wagner sounded like.
3: Christopher Walken.
1: Oh, that was supposed it's, to be Whoa. Yeah. Check, you please.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm John He's Malkovich.
1: Fine. He's fine. Look at him. He's doing great. He's having a good time. Look at him. He's fine. Oh, you he can hear us?
3: I heard it, Max. Fuck. Damn it.
1: Um, can't okay, even so get anyway. me because you call me Mason.
3: Anyway. All
2: right. So Darren remembers walking, going to his room and Wagner and Woods continuing to yell at each other before saying, quote, everything went silent. So, Darren uh, went up to check on the couple. He found Wagner alone. Wagner told Darren that Natalie and the dinghy were both missing and that Darren needed to look for her. However, Wagner did not want Darren to turn on the boat's floodlights or call for help. Um, there was a, I left this part out because it was I feel, I don't know how, I, I, a star witness in this is someone who was allegedly on a boat uh, about 80 feet away from this boat. That says that around like eleven, eleven thirty, or from 11 to 1130, they heard someone screaming, help me, help me, I'm drowning. Uh, and they tried to call the, whatever the equivalent of the boat police are, but. Um, it's the boat police. They, the boat mm. police. They didn't get anything. Ah, So I don't really they know. did take
1: their boat over there?
2: Nope. Yeah, look. All
1: right. Yeah,
3: go
2: ahead.
1: Continue.
3: No, I mean, well, I was just okay. gonna say that it's always like, it's always a thing that when we read the stories, that's easy to be like, well, I would have gone, but like, in the moment though, yeah, you know, you're gonna be like, I don't know what that was, but you're I hope they're like, okay. If, you always it's I that hear, mentality of someone else will help,
2: yeah, you know, or like if I I not I'm gonna wait until if I'm still hearing help I'm drowning at eleven forty-five, then I'm gonna go over there, but yeah. it stopped at eleven thirty, so it's like, well, it's fine.
3: Look, it just makes. At, I'll say this, I want to be stuck in a situation with Max and Parker because it sounds like they'll help. If yeah. you're stuck with me, they though, did, I'm probably going to be like...
2: They did Ooh. say, this, this person did Hopefully say that, that, they, out. <laughs> that after they had called and received no answer from whoever the boat police are, they assumed that it must have been some sort of joke.
0: Mm.
2: Or like horseplay. Mm. Uh, Water horseplay. Yes. Wagner finally did call at one thirty a.m. Um... What's up?
3: Because the movie The Water
4: Horse. Jose's asking
2: us to rate his joke. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Oh, okay. 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 Um, So, uh, basically, that's what we have. Uh, Since Darren came forward with these details in 2011, Wagner has refused to speak with police. Walken has fully cooperated, and despite the cause of death being changed from accidental drowning to, quote, drowning and undetermined factors... Walken more or less maintains that the death was an accident, and um, this is where I did include a direct quote from Christopher Walken. And uh, Jose, <clears throat> Jose, would you like to, or would you like me to do it? You can do it. I'm not gonna do an impression. I'm just oh. gonna read it.
3: Anybody there? <laughs> I can't. It's just in my head. It's, I. I used to be able to do Walken. I can't do it anymore.
2: Go ahead. Uh, a three-time it. nominated, uh, Oscar-nominated yeah. actress died. And this is what he's talking about. So
1: just keep that in mind before you do this. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Jose, before you do a silly voice, just keep that in mind.
3: (laughs) Anybody there... Anybody there saw the logistics of the boat, the night, where we were, that it was raining and would know exactly what happened. You hear about things happening to people. They slip in the bathtub, fall down the stairs, step off the curb in London because they think the cars come the other way and they die.
2: Because it, it, to me, right, it alludes that it was an accident, but he doesn't come out and say it was an accident. He well, says anybody there saw the logistics almost the way it's like, you see how it happened, that's how it happened.
3: To, to me, it sound, I know he's saying it's an accident, but to me it kind of sounds like maybe it wasn't an accident and he knows that it was an accident. Because like, so he says like, Anybody like they saw where we were that it was raining, they would know exactly what happened. Then he goes on to say, like, they slip in the bathtub. They fall down It kinda sounds like someone being like, You know, accidents they happen all the time.
2: I think it's a truly political answer where he's involved. Yeah. He's saying it in a way that anybody who's already drawn their own conclusions can use that as confirmation. Yeah. He's playing it safe by alluding more to an accident, but I think it's pretty (laughs) I imagine he's probably just sick of talking about it. He's just but also, like, look,
1: I I don't have anything new to add to yeah, this. And he gives an answer that is so applicable to everyone's favorite theory. Uh, Here's another no thing. No one will bother him again. Maybe
3: yeah. someone here knows because I'm not sure. But, like, if he were to come forward now and say, you know what, actually, I do, like, Wagner killed her. This is what I saw. Would he be in any sort of legal trouble for not coming forward beforehand?
2: I would assume he could be considered an accomplice. Right? Because yeah. he would have helped Like keep accessory it. to murder or something. So then
3: maybe that's yeah. also part of the reason why, If even if he does know what happened, he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I keep trying it, but it's so bad.
1: No, it sounded yeah. like you were in a, in a me, fun jazz. It's me, Christopher
3: Walken. <laughs> I can't. Anyway.
2: Um. So anyway, so an L.A. sheriff has called the case suspicious, and Wagner has officially been named a person of interest. However... Because he will not cooperate with any, with the police at all or talk to him. There's just, that's the end of it. God. Uh, I did leave out a lot. They had a troubled relationship. They were divorced and got back together. They had a lot of things going on. I I wanted to focus on the true crime, but I think this is true crime. This is Hollywood true crime at its, like, Hollywoodist.
3: Yeah. Sure. He definitely killed her, I think, or knocked her overboard or something. Could she, maybe you know this, Mason. Could she swim? Was
2: she no? So, so that okay. was another part of this too. Is so again. Al- the captain mm-hmm. said, "quote that she was deathly afraid of water," and I don't know. I didn't cor- make sure that was corroborated anywhere else. Yeah, but I have heard that she was afraid of water before, mm-hmm. and her sister that mentioned sounds that she couldn't swim. Well, and that she would never. So I think the way that Wagner's putting it is they were all drunk. That was another part of it, too, is all four of them on the boat had gone to dinner and drank a lot, and they had continued drinking throughout the evening. Wagner's stance seems to have moved from his first telling, which is, I went to bed, and she was already gone, to we were talking, she decided to get on the dinghy dinghy and leave. And she must have tipped over the dinghy. The dinghy was found near her body, and she must have tipped over... The dinghy at some point in time that night that seems to be the presented thing where those are the two scenarios it's it, it's not that she just left on her own accord she either felt threatened got on the boat and somehow it capsized fell over or she fell out if or, it was raining
3: water could have been choppy
2: right or that yeah it was a direct okay. influence from
3: <laughs> well let's say here's a theory i have let's say it wasn't accidental let's say there is foul play I can, if there's drinking, especially I can totally see, you know, Wagner thinks that she's fucking her co-star. He's upset. He's drunk. And then there, an argument happens. He pushes her overboard. He knows she can't swim. So it's kind of like that thing in his mind of like, well, this will show her. He throws her overboard. She drowns. He lets go of the ling, the dinghy to make it seem like, Oh yeah. For instance, because I just I was just listening to a podcast on uh, Jeffrey McDonald, who was a fi- family annihilator, and uh, he killed his whole family. But one of the things that they this podcast talked about was that like it was one of those crimes where like he w- it, what most likely happened was he hurt his wife, uh, and then it was too far, and then once that happened, he went, "Well, I might as well go all the way with this, you know
2: mm-hmm. so Yeah it could that be, very well could be. it's hard to say.
3: Okay, well, here's my last story before we uh, pass it on over to the BTCK boys here. Americans are fascinated with celebrities. We idolize them, we respect them, and we review God, that
1: ain't the truth.
3: (laughs) Whether they be actors, singers, or sports figures, Americans are obsessed with the rich and famous. Most of the time, this is a harmless obsession that drives us to consume the celebrity's body of work, but sometimes it may go a little further, like sending them messages or gifts, fan mail, if you will. And other times, our love for the famous can turn deadly. This, this was is the this
2: story up. of Stan, the Eminem um, song. I was just listening to oh, that the other
1: gonna day. Say, I was going to say about Ringo yeah, Starr when he was like, please stop sending me fan mail. Please stop sending me fan mail. Please. Anyway.
4: Look, he got that sacrificial ring in the mail one time. They chased him around the world. Never ever since, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this was certainly the case with the tragic killing of Rebecca Schaefer. Schaefer was an up-and-coming star in Hollywood, most known Kidding. for her work, which is...
1: <laughs> I keep forgetting it's about tragic killings. Yeah. I'm, like, having a bit of a laugh, and then it was like goes, Anyway, this is about the tragic murder of so-and-so, and Max is an asshole. I didn't like, say well, that.
2: Well, you, you get a timing for it down, where it's just, You see how I got my punch in before he even mentioned the tragic killing? <laughs> he offered <laughs> yes. to he give he us to? to you said no. He right. uh, he was just that about to say it, and I said, "This is the story of Stan," and then that's the last joke. Now, because then, then he said he the bread killing. There's Don't no worry, more Max.
3: jokes. You'll get better at it. Yeah. Schaefer was you've you haven't been on in a while. You're rusty. It's okay. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> Schaefer was an up and coming star in Hollywood. Most known for her work on the sitcom My Sister Sam. After the sitcom wrapped in 1988, the work kept coming for Schaefer, co-starring in scenes from The Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. She had just wrapped a TV movie with Burt Lancaster and Eva Marie Saint called Voyage of Terror The Achille Loro Affair. And a movie called. Do she
2: think that the longer the title of a project is, the better it's going to be?
3: I was going to say that Beverly Hills one. What a horrible name. Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills?
2: Yeah. It's like a paper title. It's wordy.
3: Yeah. And and she'd also just finished a movie called The End of Innocence. She was also said. That's a pretty good title. Uh, she was also said to be in the running for the lead in Pretty Woman, and on july eighteenth, nineteen eighty nine, the twenty one year old actress was set to audition for Francis Ford Coppola for the part of Mary Corleone in The Godfather Part three.
2: Did was- you guys know? This is more for this is for this is for our, 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 our Cinephile buddies. Did you guys know that Francis Ford Coppola is actually the father of Sofia Coppola? See, I knew it was something what? like
4: that, but I was almost prepared for you to be like, "Did you guys know that Francis Ford Coppola
2: directed Godfather 1 That's and 2, not That's what I just thought three? you were going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, this one is actually a bit of a deeper cut. Nick Cage, what like is, what is he, is the nephew Coppola. of Coppola? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But he
3: chose to change the name because he didn't want to get by on his connections. But then his uncle hey. still helped him.
1: Mason was telling us that.
2: <laughs> thank you I, thank you Max actually I appreciate that Mason
3: quiet <laughs> she was expecting the delivery of the script at any minute oh, that made it seem like I tell Mason that all the time and he just listens that was the one I thought he was going to argue
1: no he made a sad face no
3: at around 10 15 a.m. the bell to her West Hollywood apartment rang and when she ran so I guess her uh, intercom was broken so she had she like went down to let the person in. So, which is, yeah. So, she ran down to open the door, and she was not met with a delivery man, but instead with 19-year-old Robert John Bardo. Bardo had been obsessed with Schaefer for three years after seeing her in a commercial for My Sister Sam. He began writing It's also
2: really ironic, because the main actor in The Godfather is Marlon Bardo. (laughs)
3: Same guy. Same guy. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's his son. You
2: know that Little known fact.
3: Did you know? <laughs> so he began writing her letters and sending her stuffed this animals. Is
1: the sad part. <laughs> and you guys are the ones making jokes. Just pointing that out. Okay, keep it. Yeah, going. but so the right jokes here. that we make like, have
3: nothing to I do like with the that, victim. Because that, that's that, fucked up. That since since Mason said that to Max, Max has been. With his oh arms no. crossed in a harum. <laughs> it's been sign. incredible
4: watching these two defend themselves at anything you have to say to them, Mason. Instantly just being like, Yeah, I told wasn't you. me.
2: Also, Max, I gotta be completely honest with you. All day I've been like, I'm gonna trap him into taking a joke about a murder and then immediately fucking call him out for making a joke about a murder. Also, All day Max, I've been like, I'm gonna do that. Oh, oh God. At the I end was, of last so episode, I knew you were gonna go Mason, for it too.
3: Mason did say, I'm really excited to see Max again.
1: <laughs> and he said it with a... And he was rubbing a, his hands yeah, while he said it. <laughs> yeah. With really an evil grin. Again. He said it with like a wall of Wh- TV screens behind Wh- the in terms of static.
3: <laughs> while like twirling his little like goatee. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: so, so she uh, started, uh, so he would send her letters, stuffed animals to the set. Uh, she thought it was sweet and she replied to one of his letters. Uh, Bardo took this as a sign that he should make the trip from Tucson, Arizona to Los Angeles, California. He went to the studio with flowers and a teddy bear in hand, but never made it past security despite his desperate pleas. Uh, And then one of the security guard would go on to be like, yeah, at first I was like, oh, he's just a sweet kid. And then he kept like being like, please, man, like you got to let me in. She's my soulmate. And he went, hey, man, she's a star in a sitcom. She doesn't know you. And then the Bardo was like, no, we're soulmates. And he went, get the fuck off the set. <laughs> and he kicked him out. Um, so Bardo eventually went back home. Uh, his view on Schaefer changed, however, after he saw her love scene in scenes from the class struggle. And he felt betrayed. He saw her as his and his alone and couldn't fathom that she wasn't as pure and as innocent as he had believed her to be. So with a gun purchased for him by his older brother and his hollow point bullets... And a copy of Catcher in the Rye, because he had read about the John Lennon murder and was a fucking fanatic. He boarded a bus to Los Angeles once again.
2: What he a fucking nerd. He couldn't even be inspired original? to murder yeah. off of an original nerd. book? No.
3: Because these guys are always Jeez. the fucking most like little dick fucking losers who Jesus see one Christ. someone else like them and they go, oh, yeah, I'll do the same. So this is what's crazy about this story. Did and he the, even read it? No, he didn't stop and read it like, uh, what's his face?
2: Do you think he even? Or did no, he I don't just think he ever read it. Like, I think just he just this bought this it. As a yeah. What a fucking douche. So this I is what stole made better. the slipcover off the book. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It just it had wouldn't, that. He, it wouldn't yeah. have made it better if he had read it, I guess. No. But I'm still—it's
1: annoying. Yeah. Mason, Mason's like, look, if he read it, I'll, I'll give him a chance. But if not, <laughs> look, I'll hear him out. He you not even him. read it. Such That's all good. I'm saying is look, if you're gonna, you're. You,
2: imagine you're gonna murder someone, but you can't even read a fucking book. That is crazy. Get this, your shit together. Yeah. So, How are you so <laughs> fucked up that you're anti reading but pro murder?
1: Wow. You bring historically up. Historically, some... a lot of people. Yeah. Like a lot. Name like, like 10. A lot
3: of <laughs> Name 10. Uh
1: name ten people. Name ten people who were murders and <laughs> uh, uh, people. Miss oh, for a
3: people. dollar name a woman. A woman? A woman. <laughs> a woman.
1: <laughs> uh. name, name ten people. Okay. Uh, Jose Valle. Jose Valle Jr. Jose Valle. Did you, that's not
2: that's yeah, one, not two. No, three. that's my
3: dad. He got my dad and then me. And
1: the first and your grandfather. And
3: my, so that's three. God, he that? got cheating. lucky. This Parker is cheating.
1: Rollins. Okay. Rollins Jr., his teacher's <laughs> <future> son. <laughs> Well, anyway,
3: so this is what's crazy, guys. This is absolutely insane. So we discovered this in a previous episode, Mason and I did. We were covering the the Herve Le Baron and the Church of the Lamb of God. In Prior to the 90s, you could just go to the DMV and say, hey, I've got this license plate. Can you tell me this person's information? And they would go, click, click, click. Yeah, here's their home address and their name. And you could just go to their house. So Bardo, which is... Also keep in mind, this is how stupid he is, right? And, uh, because he could have just done that himself. But he hired a private investigator who just went and did that. He didn't do any private investigating. He just went to the DMV, asked for her address. The DMV went, here you go, sir. And then he gave it to, uh, to Bardo.
1: What year, was, what year was, was that no longer allowed?
3: It, we'll get into it I think it's 94 That it stopped being a thing
1: That's way too late We are yep. well into serial killer era mm-hmm.
3: so, so Schaefer When she first came to the door Bardo showed her the letter She had written him As well as an autographed photo She had sent him He told her he was her biggest fan And Schaefer thanked him for the visit Politely told him she had an interview To get ready for And asked him to take care And shook his hand After eating at a nearby dinner Bardo returned This time he claimed to have forgotten To give her a CD And another letter he had brought she told him, you came to my door again. Bardo took this as her trying to get rid of him, so he simply responded with, I forgot to give you something. He then raised his three hundred fifty seven Magnum, which was hidden in a shopping bag, and shot her at point-blank range in the chest. Bardo would later recall that Schaefer fell to her knees, looked up at him, and simply said, why, why? Bardo then fled the scene. Schaefer was discovered by a neighbor and rushed to the emergency room at Cedars-Sinai and died 30 minutes after arriving. The next day, Tucson police were called to a major intersection after reports of a man disrupting traffic came in and the man was running near a freeway shouting that he had killed Rebecca Schaefer. After police found a picture of Rebecca in his pocket, they contacted LA authorities and Bardo was sentenced, eventually sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I love that
2: police work of... Like, well, he kept shouting, he murdered this person. And we were like, hmm. But then we found a picture of her in, in his pocket. And we were like, oh. Yeah, I do kind of like clincher. that they were
3: like, well, we're not convinced. And then they found the picture and we're like, holy shit, <laughs> this
4: guy did it. I'm loving this He's overarching a picture theme of like complete police incompetence through so many of these. That's
3: just all true crime, Parker, is it's just I, so much is just police being like, duh.
2: Parker, I'm going to actually have to ask you to relax. We actually, we're a Back the Blue podcast. <laughs> I, yeah. I this go.
3: podcast episode is brought to you by... Police. Um, police. Oh, I did drive Me. by. There's a sign I drive by on my daily commute that says, thank an officer. And then it's like, the police, national, whatever. And I every time I see it, I go, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's my little protest. That's getting them hosted. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Bardo... Part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up was because Schaefer's death sent shockwaves across the entertainment world, and it actually prompted California to become the first state to pass anti-stalking laws in 1990, as well as strengthening privacy protections and restrictions and restricting the accessibility of personal information from the DMV. And in 1994, so they did that first, and then four years later, Congress passed the Driver's Privacy Protection Act, which required all other states. To stop fucking giving random people your information. Now the we have first. that in different ways now, but it was the the reason this her murder was such a big deal is that it we have a lot of protections now because of it. It's unfortunate that this had to happen, but there were a bunch of other uh, celebrities before her who were also attacked by stalkers. Uh, most of them were okay, but it it finally took this happening for the government to go, oh, we should probably punish people for stalking people.
2: Like oh, the first anti-stalking law was nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Fucking, mm. they had the Night Stalker. Yeah. Well, and then uh, just California think about California. Again, has, like Lennon died before of the this. Stalker killers were from California. Yeah. and it was in the seventies. It took them to the nineties. It's pretty crazy, huh? I fucking hate this place so much.
3: Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's it's just just a sad story just makes me sad makes me real sad but it is crazy though that if i wanted to find out where you guys lived i could have just gone to the dmv and been like max benyon where what's his address and they would have been like yeah he lives
1: Dare you give my real yeah, address? You can't away. put it. Man, come I'll no, bleep I it really out. Really I'll do. bleep it out. You can't dox him like this. Why would you say my real address?
3: I'll post it on the on the Instagram for all the fans to go look at. No. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's a hidden Max easter egg in the show notes. notes. It's a fun, it's a fun AGR.
3: <laughs> um, so yeah. Break now, the code. Now, we thought it would be fun to have Max and Parker bring a story. So, oh, which cool, one of you guys are part of the
1: show? <laughs> You right. guys wants to
3: share a story first. You
1: go first. You guys okay. remember I'll, Dan I'll, we'll
2: Aykroyd's Ghost House?
3: That was pretty fun, huh? That was pretty yeah. funny. Was pretty fun. Remember when he fashioned a ghost? That's
4: pretty sick. Okay. So, um Mine's still got heavy stuff for sure, oh, but sure, it is yeah. it is
1: more generally like spooky. You're not gonna read a woman's last words to us and <laughs> <laughs> no, that was have heavy to... as hell. Yeah. That she was pretty saw heavy. Saw Max like I, the color. I, I will tell you. The thing th- here's
3: the that. thing about I'm, this podcast is I'm forced to, well, not forced, but I come across <laughs> these things, right? And then I go. Sometimes I go. That's too much. That made me very sad. But then I, I go. Now series. someone else has to hear this, though. Yeah. So that's the thing. Is like if I if it's something sad, I have to share it with whoever's on the pod because I'm like now you get to live with this as well.
2: I read yeah. four stories and two of them two of I deemed too graphic to have on here. One of them was the murder of Selena.
3: Oh yeah, Selena Quintanilla. In
2: which her last words were Yolanda room 305, which was her murderer in the pers- yeah. in the room she was in. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the other one was this just wrapped up in 2022 was this like screenwriter animation guy who brutally murdered and tortured his wife and the, uh, and the mother of their three children. And I was just like, "No, it's awful."
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Anyway, more spooky stuff. I come on this show exactly three years uh, in between each time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
4: Okay, so uh, similar kind of vibes to the Omen curse. Uh, Much less lightning and IRA bombing. But uh, so the Poltergeist set and the Poltergeist series kind of is notoriously known as being cursed. Specifically for a few reasons. Um, one that gets tossed around a lot that's been kind of thoroughly debunked at this point but still gets passed around, especially on the internet, is there's a scene at the end of the movie where um, one of the lead characters slips into the pool in the backyard and the pool is filled with skeletons that float up and she screams and all this stuff. And For can the you, longest time people... Can you say the
3: hmm, correct pronunciation? Uh, skeletons. Thank you. Yes.
4: Um, for the longest time people were... Adamant, people were convinced that these were real skeletons from India, and because of that, they're like they desecrated these bodies. There's a curse put on the film set that then carried on through. Right?
3: You moved uh, since, the graves, but you didn't move the bodies. Precisely.
4: Um, but that's been thoroughly debunked as like you know the the prop master is like no, I I made those, and then also um, in preparation for them? this, I, uh, he killed a Was people. it by murdering
2: people? Because if it was, yeah. then it's still cursed.
4: No, I made those. Yeah, I made those. Um, <laughs> I was like, telling Yeah. I was telling Max before uh, we recorded, um, part of my research was I found this really great series on Shudder called Cursed Films, and they had Ooh. a great episode about Poltergeist. And they have a bunch. They have one on The Omen. They have one on Exorcist. I really want to watch the rest of them. They were very interesting. Um, but they interviewed this guy, and he talked about, he's like, a I made those like they were props. And then we built them out and all this stuff. He's like, and B he's like, he's like, you guys would be shocked how many real skeletons are used constantly. And he's like, yeah, James Wales, Frankenstein. He's like, there's a scene in a biology lab. He's like, guess what? That's a real skeleton. He's like, that's just, he's like, it happens all the time. He's like, mostly Mm -hmm. because he's like, he had this really great, great quote that I loved that. um, He was like, wake up and smell the budget. He's like most of these movies are B movies. They're not going to pay somebody to hand sculpt an entire human skeleton when they can just go to a biology lab nearby or a college and borrow one for the day. Yeah, it's like, yeah. the fact it's like, that
2: America in America it used to be cheaper to buy a skeleton than make your own. What does this country come to?
1: I mean, that's still. I've seer- the you case. do you know how many times much it I've costs looked to have a baby? I I've looked <laughs> at
2: do you know how many times I've looked at, at skulls and other human bones on the internet and been like, I just can't afford that. Sure. Yeah. Once again, like, Mason, I, on I'm not even doing, I, I, this sounds like a bit, I'm not doing one. No, you're, They're hard. crazy expensive. Yeah. There. Yeah. I can imagine.
4: Yeah. Um, but just, he, he brought up that point up. to be like, he's like, look, if you're going to say that the poltergeist is cursed because they used human skeletons, which they didn't, he's like, there's so many other movies you could be pointing out that actually did. And well, and also
1: just like the implication being like, oh, they didn't go to a biology lab to get their skeletons; they desecrated Indian graves. Right. Like, you think that's what a movie's gonna you do? You think Spielberg's being 80s?
3: like, hey, go get this fucking go t- go dig this shit up real
1: quick? Well, well the question is, did this come
2: before no. or after Temple <laughs> um, of Doom? Actually,
4: Or was it? Ooh, that's what? a good. I don't actually know this because well, if it was after is or after t- Temple of Doom. Mm. I don't actually Because if know. it was
2: after, I can after. see how that kind of became, like, a oh. thing. Because, I mean, you want to talk about being culturally insensitive to Indian people. <laughs> Temple of Doom's pretty far up there.
4: Yeah, Spielberg kind of covered his bases there pretty well. Um, the other thing that people point to that isn't really substantially claimed, other Temple than... Temple of Doom was after.
3: Yeah, it was after.
2: Uh,
4: so he was, like, <laughs> "Oh, thanks, Indian so I can them. use that. <laughs> I yeah. can, Oh. Um... There's the very famous scene of the uh, clown doll strangling little boy and pulling him under the bed. And they obviously, they had a mechanism that would wrap it around his throat and like, you know, move around. And supposedly the little boy said that on a couple of takes that like there was a malfunction and the clown was like actually choking him. I don't think those, obviously those takes didn't make it in the finished film, but like he said, he's like, oh, hey, like, hey, it's, it's, it's hurting. And they'd have to stop and kind of fix it or whatever. The bulk of where this comes from is, like, the deaths surrounding the film. Right. Most of which are natural, accidental, all these things, but, like, they start to add up, right? So, the first one being the actress who plays the oldest daughter, um, uh, Dominique Dunn. This is as sad as this story gets, and it is still sad. She was 22, and her boyfriend came over, and they got in a fight. And he got violent and choked her out to where she passed out and was unconscious. They rush her to the hospital. She gets to the hospital. She's in a coma for three or four days, at which point, uh, they take her off life support and she passes away. And so that was the first thing of like, people were like, oh, this tragedy. And this was maybe a couple months after Poltergeist comes out and hits theaters. And so this is kind of a big thing at the time. And they're like, oh, that's, that's such a tragedy. And like, she was so young too. Like that was a big part of it. Um, Also, there's this weird stuff surrounding the court case where, like, her boyfriend had had previous, like, domestic abuse charges levied at him, but they weren't allowed to be used as evidence. Like, he got off a lot. Like, he was sentenced to 10 years on, like, good behavior or whatever, and he ended up getting out in, like, two and a half. And so it's just, like, there's a lot of weird, like conspiracy theory stuff about the way the court case went down and who we might have known and all this stuff right so that's the first piece of this moving on um, you get to the sequels the next film there is a Native American actor named Will Sampson who plays a shaman in that film and he was also a real life Native American shaman and like he had that experience outside of the film and after hours he came and performed an exorcism on the set of the film Uh, two years later he very suddenly passed away from kidney failure at the age of 53. And this is where things start really getting rolling with people. We're like, okay, you've got two very sudden uh, abrupt deaths attached to this film about ghosts and spooky stuff and all these things, right? You're in a media landscape that has been, the pump has been primed by all the stuff with the Omen and the Exorcist, this is a little bit later, right? And so that's already kind of in all of the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm doubles down even more when, uh, in the second film, an actor named Julian Beck, who plays this very kind of like spooky cult leader in the film, um, he passes away of stomach cancer between during the filming of three Mm. and they've already, you know, worked on some of this stuff. They've written stuff around him. I don't know that any of his footage made it into the film, but what happens is, they don't want to, like, they need to recast the role, obviously, but, like, the character's so written into the story at this point, they're like, well, we don't want to take him out. So what they ended up doing is they used a death mask of the actor to Whoa. make the prosthetics for the new guy, and it's, it's fuzzy whether this was taken as an actual death mask or if this was taken while he was still alive for another project, but it is... It's, it's known that like they took a casting of his face to then put on another guy and everybody on set just kept describing he's like it's really uncanny it's really weird seeing this dude who just died yeah and somebody else is wearing his face right yeah that's weird especially with this like 50 50 claim that it was a death mask that yeah. they took from him right so that's something else that happens Um, the next biggest piece of this is during the filming of the third film, Heather O'Rourke, who plays the little girl in Mm -hmm. the first film, um, she gets about halfway through filming and all the while she's being treated for what they thought at the time was Crohn's disease. In reality, the doctors completely misdiagnosed and were treating the wrong thing. In fact, she actually had an abscess in her intestines that caused a blockage. And all this stuff would build up, and then eventually it just exploded, essentially. And she yeah. died of like a toxic overload, essentially. She was 11. And it just, again, like nobody, it, it was nobody's fault. Like the doctors didn't know, they thought they were treating something else. The mom then sues the hospital and the doctors for malpractice and says, You didn't, you don't know what you are doing. And the director of the film had gotten very close with Heather, Heather O'Rourke and, he just said, he's like, I don't want to be done. I just like, the film is over. We can't do this. Um, the studio pressures him and the creative team and says, no, you're going to finish the movie. Like we've, we've sunk too much into this. Like you have to finish the project. And so um, what they do is they write, uh, the director described, he's like some bullshit ending. He's like, what is, what is in the film that I hate? He's like, I hate the ending. Um, he's like, but that's what we filmed. And he's like, and we got a body double for Heather and we make sure you just never see her face. He's like, and the whole time, I just, he's like, I hated it. I just It just did not feel right. Like the director was one of her pallbearers. Like that's how close he was with her and with this family. And he's just like, I don't want anything to do with this. At this point though, this is death number four in this franchise. So the tabloids just go nuts to the point that the director of the third film changed his phone number and moved because people were just harassing him constantly. And he's like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, like, yeah. this little girl I was very close with just died of a horrible, tragic, like, mishap. Like, it, there was nothing to be done. There was no malicious intent like there was with what happened to Dominique Dunn. It was just like, this is a thing that happened. And you all are spinning into this, some yarn about superstition and all these other ideas. And he just got really frustrated and fed up with it. Um, but that's kind of like, people still talk about it a lot. Um, and, they describe it as again, like all these weird things happened around this franchise. And isn't it strange that all these things kind of added up. Um, I'm all for spookiness myself, but this one after like watching that episode and like hearing the people who were involved with it, who just got like really worn down by the people who peddle this constantly. Uh And like the tabloids and like the National Enquirer and all this stuff, it just, it kind of broke my heart to see them talk about. And he's just like, look, just, life happened, tragedies happened and people like, people have to try to find some meaning in it. Um, Another thing that was really interesting about this episode is they interviewed people who like study human psychology in the realm of superstition specifically. Mm -hmm. And they talked about how we as human beings try to rationalize things that happen. And we put a lot of weight on Symbols of that.
3: So an example Hey everyone, we're back. We just had some technical issues. Uh if the sound sounds a little janky, we are just using Z- Zoom, our regular audio uh recorder seems to be having some issues. Uh
2: so we're just gonna go with this. So if if Clean Feed got struck by lightning, I'm gonna shit my pants.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they actually just got bombed by the IRA. Yeah. <laughs> The clean, so, their the clean feed headquarters has fallen. Yeah. It's so heirloom. So
3: Parker, okay. you were saying you were in the middle of telling us something interesting. So
4: I was talking about how in this, in this episode on the poltergeist, they interview a couple of like psychologists who specialize in like uh, superstition. And they talk about how people will try to rationalize things by attaching energy to like A concept or an object to like make sense of something. An example they gave that I thought was very interesting that maybe doesn't have necessarily to do with poltergeist, but I think you'll find it like this group, I think, would find the story interesting, which is I think it was sometime in the 80s, the Yankees were getting a new stadium, and one of the construction workers was a huge Red Sox fan. And so what he did was he took a Red Sox jersey and he put it in the cement of like the foundation of the stadium. And he's like, well, that'll get him. And word of this gets out a year later. And the Yankees and the public freak out about it so much that they tear up the foundation to find wow. this jersey. And like, it's a news event. Like there are cameras and they pull this thing out of the rubble and they like show it to everybody. And it's like this weird sort of like tribal ritualistic, like cleansing of mm. the stadium because like, well, now we now we're not cursed. You know, now yes. it can fully just be Yankees energy. And they talk about that in comparison um, and they talk about that in comparison to like how people attach these random tragedies to well there has to be this weird curse energy around this franchise and it's like no it's just these tragedies happened and they happen to be semi-connected to each other but that doesn't mean like there's no like causation behind it you know but people will try to extrapolate that because it's sensational because it helps us make sense of things because it gives us some sort of grounding in the face of like senseless tragedy we can't control. Yeah. It's
1: easier to understand than just death. Totally. Sure.
3: Yeah. yeah. When, you know, that's a, we, we've talked about that at length here. We just, the, the fascination with true crime is just because, you know, it's how people deal with upsetting things. Um, in, in a way, um, yeah, aren't humans some funny fuckers? Aren't they Strange some stuff. funny? Well, Mason, uh, God damn it! He got him. What's up, Jose? Jose, do you huh? need
2: me? What's up? <laughs> no, do you need me to do something, Jose? What's up, yeah, Mason? Max, well, you talking
3: to Mason. So OB. bring us on home, Max. What's your oh. story? Okay.
0: How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Orson Welles. I'm speaking for the Mercury Theater, and what follows is supposed to advertise our first motion picture. Citizen Kane is the title, and we hope it can correctly be called a coming attraction.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is this is my little story, uh, and it's a little ditty about our favorite guy, not really, Orson Welles. Ah, go Orson. Orson Welles was a famous radio guy who famously did a lot of things on the radio, including a thing that everyone knows about, and I don't have to talk about it, but it's War of the Worlds.
2: Who's and on first?
1: And then he went on to do film, and he and his first film was Citizen Kane. And every filmmaker that was his hates first film. Yeah, he was twenty-five. Yeah.
3: God, I've got he a was year. Twenty-five guys. when
1: he made Citizen
4: Kane. I
3: have a year.
1: Yeah, I already passed it. Yeah, there's burgers. got yeah, a chance. you, you, you over, and so.
3: you and Mason can just relax.
2: I am twenty-five I'm, right now. Well, you've got. You can,
1: make, you can make your Citizen Kane. You can do you've it. Still got time. You've got time. No. So Orson Welles. Uh, even, he even bolder, he. Well, in every hero's journey, one like has refused. to refuse the call.
2: You did refuse. I will call. not, because
1: fuck you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, great. But anyway, Orson Welles then went on to have a career that was, uh depending on who you ask, middling to. Uh, hey, and, uh, you leave Optimus Prime alone, motherfucker. <laughs> Unicron. Voiced Optimus Prime. He voiced Unicron. You dumbass. dumbass, you stupid! Unicorn butt. isn't a transformer, stupid. It's the animal of Scotland.
2: Dumbass, it's called. His name is Optimal Primus.
3: It's a whole different
1: character. So Orson Welles then died. He died. He died.
2: How's that for funny,
1: Mason? Anyway, so he died. Have you seen that commercial
2: of him getting shitfaced? It's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yes, we have. love it. I Big said, fans over
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> Action,
0: please. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson.
1: <laughs> so good. So here's, here's the real question, now, everybody, is what happens to your favorite restaurant after you die? Everyone's always wondering that, right? Well, Orson Welles wanted to know so bad that he decided to just go back. Uh, so the so this is from GreatEntertainersArchive.blogspot.com,
3: the most trusted active- source in entertainment news.
1: Jose, right?
2: You don't get to that. make that joke. I've I've seen the sources you use. What? Shut the fuck up! Jose I'm talks seen to a, s- a ghost. Do you know, <laughs> you know how many Reddit users you've
4: had, had to credit? Uh, Jose, was it a Ouija board that told you to scab?
1: <laughs> I'm not a scab. <laughs> he's winking i'm not <laughs> all right so back to orson wells this actor this is what they have to say on great entertainers they're the great entertainers this actor producer director and writer is still hollywood royalty for his role in what was a brand new industry in his time he is most well known for playing the lead role in film student must see citizen kane which cracks me up imagine making a film that is regarded most important film of all time greatest film and someone's like film students must see apparently now, you're not wrong but
3: apparently students that fucking you don't even watch it
1: <laughs> so oh yeah a little callback to really yeah. I love it orson welles ghost is said to still frequent his favorite restaurant for a cigar and a bourbon and they say you can't smoke indoors no they don't say that but maybe they do Many of the staff of Melrose Avenue Restaurant, it's not a restaurant, they have it wrong, it's a bakery, we'll get into it, okay. uh, Sweet Lady Janes have encountered, have had encounters with Wells from beyond the grave. In these accounts, Orson Wells is generally wearing a wide-brimmed black hat and a dark cape, which is maybe his costume from F is for fake? Yes. I don't think he died in that. It is also said that someone, maybe... Wouldn't surprise like, me if he was buried in it. It is also said that someone interacting with his spirit will pick up the aromas of his favorite bourbon and cigars. Now who wants to know what his favorite bourbon and cigars were? Me. I'm, I, I, me I knew you would, Jose and Parker. Mason's checked out. Um it <laughs> no. <is believed> that... <laughs> I, what's his favorite cigars? Are they swishers? Yeah, it is believed that his favorite cigar brands were yeah. Monte Cristo and Monte Cristo cigars and poor uh Port Laranaga.
4: That's exactly how oh, you say
2: is it. Oh, great! Is the stutter right? is the stutter and uncertainty a part of the yeah, presentation? no, it's part of the
4: it's part of the name. It's like your Christopher Walken phonetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, as for the bourbon, I couldn't find info on his favorite, but he did do commercials or approve Jim Beam bourbon. Nice. Uh, so, if you were interested, that's what you could do. You could do a. And this podcast episode was to brought
3: to you by Jim Beam. Jim
1: Beam. So yeah, um, so yeah, he, he, they smell these aromas when they meet the ghost. Um, no information on what he says to them. Uh, and no no so happy, you guys smell
2: shitty whiskey and cigar smoke. Ooh, and then from around the, the corner, you're just here. This uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ghost is, uh, is quick. Is, we
2: got some ghost nerds coming in. Dump a bottle of Jim Beam and put a cigar out on the booth. No, you're
3: just here. I was <laughs> Unicron. That's what. He said <laughs>
2: I think it's
4: actually a tradition at the bakery that on the eve of the release of Citizen Kane, they leave
1: cigars and bourbon out for oh, him like yeah. Santa Claus. And he eats the, yeah, cigars he and eats go, the cigar no. and he smokes the bourbon. No, do you actually want to know what his average dinner was? Because this is nuts. Yes. Here's his average dinner.
3: It's going to be horrible. Two
1: steaks yep. and a pint of scotch. Like every night. And wow.
3: that's why he died. <laughs> uh,
1: how I old is he we when he fat died? we weren't shaming ghosts. <laughs> No, that has that's not fat shaming. Things. He could be skinny. Oh, right. That's that going to kill you no matter what. Dad. Yeah. That's what? True. Uh,
2: okay. Max, oh, Max
1: was the one in Dan Aykroyd's house. Orson Welles' ghost was the one in that house, the Dan Aykroyd.
3: It was him the whole time. Orson ghost was trying to fuck Dan Aykroyd. Good for him.
1: Max, yeah, yeah, I'm 100% said, sure I a pine of
2: scotch would of kill you <laughs> immediately.
1: Yeah, a pine of scotch would kill me immediately. Also, two stakes. Wait,
3: how old was Wells when he passed away?
1: He was not oh, definitely not go. searching IMDb. He was seventy. He died in eighty-five.
3: Okay, well, it took it took a long. That's time. That's a for long this. run.
1: From- yeah, <laughs> you know they don't yeah, call him Orison Welles
3: anymore,
4: anymore, right? Mason
2: has two steaks in the spice. Mason just <laughs>
4: slides his plate out of view.
2: Anyway, <laughs> uh, they don't call him Orison Wells anymore. They call him Orison isn't Wells because
1: hmm.
2: uh, he's dead. Uh, sure, dude, sure, yeah. yeah.
1: said so in the hospital. He was real mad about it, but he died. Yeah, he's so mad anyway. he died. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so al- although the dark spirit is somewhat ominous, which was also said of Orson Welles when he was alive, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, is he uh, Not one restaurant employee, again, they work in a bakery, maybe they serve food, uh, has or- reported a malicious present- presence along with these paranormal experiences. So he's not angry. He's just there to eat his cigars and drink his he whiskey.
3: He just wants to fucking eat Bourbon. and smoke inside.
1: Yeah. Sweet Lady Jane's is still running, and diners still have the chance to sit with their favorite Hollywood legend. Um, do people come in with selfies? Like, do they yeah. sit in a booth and they
4: put their they, arm they, around air and they're like,
2: "Me and Orson." Uh, have you guys have you guys ever seen that? There was a there's a famous Twitter thread that went around of it was just quotes of Orson Welles on like the most famous celebrities of all time. Have you seen that? Me,
4: I have. It's pretty incredible.
2: Um, can I just read my favorite one? Yes, go ahead. Uh, This is Orson Welles on Woody Allen. Before uh, Woody Allen married his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I hate Woody Allen, physically. I dislike that kind of man. I can hardly bear to talk to him. He has the Chaplin disease. That particular combination of arrogance and timidity sets my teeth on edge. The interviewer says, he's not arrogant, he's shy. Orson Welles replies, He is arrogant. Like all people with timid personalities, his arrogance is unlimited. Anybody who speaks quietly and shrivels up in company is unbelievably arrogant. He acts shy, but he's not. He's scared. He hates himself. And he loves himself. He's a very a very tense situation. It's people like me who have to carry on and pretend to be modest. To me, it's the most embarrassing thing in the world. A man who presents himself at his worst to get laughs in order to free himself from his hangups. Everything he does on screen is therapeutic. Fucking get him, Wells. Take him to task. Yeah.
4: Spoken by noted Humble celebrity, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. modest
3: man. I I, I did like that he said, Well, he did say he had to pretend. Yeah, 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 I have to pretend to be modest. Uh, Uh,
2: This one doesn't have to make a podcast. This is just also another fun one about uh, uh, that he's talking about Alfred Hitchcock. Is uh, I've never understood the cult of Hitchcock. Particularly the late American movies. I don't recognize the same director. Egotism and laziness. And they're all lit like television shows. About the time he started to use color, he stopped looking through the camera. I saw one of the worst movies I've ever seen the other night. Hitchcock's movie where Jimmy Stewart looks through a window. Interviewer, rear window? Wells: everything is stupid about it. Complete insensitivity to what a story about voyeurism could be.
1: It wasn't freaky enough for Orson
2: Welles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles. Not if we fucking. ever
1: do Rear Window on the show, we're bringing that up. Absolutely. And then we're going wow. to piss the ghost of Orson Wells off so much he'll have to come out of his little bakery because we're going to make yeah, it. Yeah, we won't it's even it's do the better. episode. We're just going to
4: rubber stamp and say,
1: it is better. It is better. And he's going to be like, I'm going to take my cigar to go. I'm going <laughs> to Utah to <laughs> beat some men. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ghost good. of
2: orson wells is about to kick two nerds ass
1: <laughs> very good and they they wave him off with yeah. the shifts their best ghost yes um sadly for the shade of wells uh the ghost one might say but these people on panicked.com were feeling a little fanciful uh the restaurant the famed ma maison shut down in 1985 and is now a completely different restaurant and then i put in brackets correction it is the iconic 35 year old la bakery sweet lady james 40 minutes they're away like some me. other restaurant i'm like you could have. well 40 yeah. minutes away from you you gotta go meet minutes. with orson i gotta that's go six blocks. can you go can
3: you please yeah, take say, a in selfie LA, yeah that's
1: um, other restaurants claiming patronage by Wells he gets around this guy wow uh you guys ever notice Frank... every time the ghost of Orson Wells disappears it smells like meat farts <laughs> It's gross <laughs> yeah man yeah yeah, yeah we noticed um, we weren't gonna say anything
3: continue that man. to
1: be rude um there are some other restaurants claiming his patronage mainly uh Musso and Frank Grill on Hollywood Boulevard and uh pig and whistle pup also somewhere Ooh, in I got to go to that. Region. I got to
3: go to yeah. that. Pig and Whistle Pub.
1: So that's the end of my story. That was very You're good, on, Max. Uh, thank, thank you so Max. Much. That's Do you the- want <laughs> me to
3: ruin it for you, Max?
1: <laughs> huh?
3: Do you want me to ruin it for you or no?
1: No, I said, huh, as in go ahead.
3: So, it is built on the same plot of land, but if you take a look at the plans, it's actually shifted over so it's not exactly where the previous place was. So where his booth was would technically be outside of the restaurant.
1: A ghost can't walk three feet? No. It's not a residual haunt, Jose. It's clear uh, that he's not just going through his normal whereabouts Max, the oh, man
4: sorry. ate two steaks every night you parker. think he can walk parker. through that door and you <laughs> oh, think- just- Parker. He's He's just- just- exactly
2: parker no no don't interrupt this semantic argument about ghosts and three feet of wall <laughs> this is I'm what sorry, this podcast sorry, is made for me
4: Pardon I'm sorry. This is
2: this is what I'll exactly sets them off to a tea Is like okay, uh, actually the booth would have been three feet out of the wall. Um, okay, well, actually, ghosts can go through walls, so he could still be in the restaurant.
1: Yeah, next- well,
3: actually, ghosts can't go through walls unless they've built up enough psychic energy.
1: The uh, next episode of Max and Jose will be our last. Yeah. (laughs) And it's called Max and Jose have something to say about the ghost dilemma. Yeah. And then we both die at the end.
2: (laughs) We're going to, in this episode of Max and Jose, we're going to kill ourselves and try to prove whether ghosts can move three feet. That's the
1: only reason I'd ever do it. Yeah.
2: Also, I, I like that he guests. I like how Max just said that he haunts several restaurants, but you're like only in the one spot though. Because <laughs> I I read the
3: same story before. Uh and and then and, why did you have
1: me tell it?
3: Because I suggested no, I it to story.
1: you. I needed a yeah. story and I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: But but because I read it and I thought that was funny that they pointed that out in the story. They were like, well, he would be haunting this place though, because it's actually uh three feet over. So It'd be outside. This Man, is a good save because worse...
2: you were so excited to be that guy until I made fun of you for it.
1: <laughs> Once again, Parker's Parker's point is proven that me and Jose are so so ready to defend ourselves from Mason's yeah. cruel blade. And then Mason yeah. just tells me to literally shut up so the
2: bit can go out. I'm like, okay, <laughs> dude. It's so it's look. It's fun to make fun of them individually. When you can get them going against each other, it's like it's it's magic. I, I can
1: only imagine. Yeah. I, uh, wow. I hate it when uh, I hate it when people who tell ghost stories start trying to explain the science. Yeah. Like, well, actually, you can't do that because it takes the fun out of it. But also, I'll never forget when I was watching an episode of Ghost Adventures, and Zach, what's his last name? Bagans. 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 Mr. Bagans.
3: I met him. He uh, he had a He's little a uh, yeah.
1: yeah. He was talking about it to this guy, and he was like, the wood grain in this room. Would have captured the ghost's essence like a film camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The grain in wood mm-hmm. works as a camera for ghosts. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, all right. I wanna, I, okay. I, I wanna for tonight, I'll I'll believe. But tomorrow. Good, I want to pitch
2: I wanna pitch a thing where I get a I get to be on every episode of Ghost Hunters, and every time he says shit like that, I get to go, oh does it? Does it oh, really, is that, that what happens? I just the I,
3: ghost adventures guys, they gave me a joint.
2: Oh, sick. did they? They did that's cool
3: yeah that's have him. you seen the one where he's like he's like who are you what are you doing here what's your name and then it goes yeah your mom and then he goes was this ghost being a smart ass when it said your mom to me <laughs> pretty good Well, the oh. anyway, thank you so much guys i think with yeah. that we can wrap the show up <laughs> okay that's good enough this they is why like, don't me. record on <laughs> zoom okay. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in Apple and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review.
2: You can support the show by going to patreon.com backslash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. You can also go over to our Tea Public Shop and buy our merch, and it's new, and I made it, and it's amazing. Just c- click the link in our show notes, you fucks.
3: Remember, if you donate slash support, it all goes towards improving the show and perhaps allowing us to do this full time. Mason, where can these fine listeners
2: of ours find you? Follow me on Instagram at Masonshr, and you can see all my art and my, my graphic design stuff. And, and you can like it and you can follow me and you can tell me that I'm good at things because no one else ever did.
3: Hey, hey, man, chill out.
2: It's your turn to read.
3: Well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at, uh, j.vaya underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Captain's Log Pod. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Vaya Jr., Animal Productions, and of course, the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. If you can't get enough of me, then you can listen to my other podcast with friend of the log, Max Bennion, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say, which is back for season three. Max and Parker, do you have anything that you would like to plug?
1: Um, Yeah. The uh, wait. Ask me where the listeners can find me. Don't tell us how to do our outro.
3: Max, where can the listeners find you?
1: They can find me in uh, the the Sweet Jane's Sweet Lady Jane's Bakery eating cigars with my good buddy Orson Welles. Wow. Um, Eating cigars. yeah. Well I, I, I that was the joke I was doing. Yeah. Uh you can do I do that at the end of every Max and Jose episode. Uh I gonna, I you eat cigars. Time. Yeah, I eat cigars with Orson <laughs> we said That's earlier that
3: it doesn't matter. Keep going. Please. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: I'm trying to wrap up. Uh <laughs> stop doing bits. I'm trying to do bits. No. Um yeah, you can find me on Max and Jose. Uh like Jose said, we're in season three. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Benian Media, and you can find me on YouTube at Max and you can find me uh, Max. at at maxbenyon.com, where I don't do much. Um, but yeah, that's, that's perfect. Oh, and also, I do there a podcast with there Parker. Parker, what's the name of our show, and where can they find you and such?
4: Uh, the name of our show is Better Than Citizen Kane. Um, you can find me and, by extension, the podcast through uh, at Odd Bros on Instagram. Um, it's run through my directing partner and I, the Odd you Brothers. Tell uh, us
3: how you spell Odd Bros. A-U-D.
4: A-U-D A-U-D Bros. Uh, that's where you can find Better Than Citizen Kane, as well as our sister show, uh, Mind Over Mattel, which is a Barbie Cinematic Universe podcast run by Ooh. my directing partner, Will, and his
3: lovely lady wife, Rio. Nice. And we'll make sure to include all the links and stuff uh, in our show notes for you guys.
2: (laughs) Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it. And if you'd like to share your opinion on this case or have some other insight or other Hollywood spooky stories to to share, please do by writing us at captainslogcast at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on any of our social medias.
3: You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, et cetera. Make sure to subscribe and download on an Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thanks to Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you soon for another episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by...
2: Oh, shit. Max? No. Uh, uh, Park? Uh, Mason. Mason? First officer, Mason...
1: Hollywood... Guy Schrader,
3: and as well as
1: uh, another guy with glasses, uh, Max Denion. and uh, resident master's
4: degree holder Parker Rollins.
3: And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission.
4: You. Oops.